Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We are in the middle of phase three of the NFL offseason. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. My name is Jake Bendel. As always, I got my buddy Joshua Houts here. And Josh, usually I ask you how you're doing today, but there, there's something more important going on. And that is, imagine, if you will, today being Jakeem Grant's agent, the one who spoke out last week about Waddle returning kicks. Imagine being Jakeem Grant's agent after hearing today on June 4th, Eric, Eric Waddle. Wow, I just ruined that entire thing. Jalen Waddle <laughs> dropped two punts in practice today, Josh. Um, is it too late for us to kind of do trade backs with the Eagles and um, the 49ers because this is a disaster and I think we all need to jump ship right here and, and what else are we going to do? Yeah, Jalen Waddle is clearly a bust and this clearly means Jakeem Grant's safe. And that Hell, I don't even dollars... know his name. That's how bad he is. He doesn't <laughs> even let me remember his name. Yeah, I mean, but this is the season, right? I mean, we all love how OTAs are here. We love that football's back, but with that comes all the overreacting and that's what we're seeing here. So, uh, yeah, Jalen Waddle is clearly a bust and, you know, you mentioned that you normally ask me how I'm doing, but uh, I got my tooth pulled yesterday. I told you about that. Number 19 was the tooth, so... Um, maybe me throwing that out there into the world is why Jakeem Grant, you know, is still hanging on for dear life, just like that tooth was. <laughs> I like that. I like that quite a bit. But, dude, it was brutal. I, I refreshed Twitter after going out to lunch, and there were seven different beat reporters like, oof, I don't know, man. Jalen Waddle buffs two punts today. And then they and backtracked I... it. And then they backtracked <laughs> it. They said, I think Safid came out and then from the Sun Sentinel and said, you know, uh, we overreacted. He's fielding punch just fine. Oh, so, again. We, we did? <laughs> yeah, I, I get Again, this is trading camp. I mean, this is what we're going to see for the next, what, like four months now? This is the issue when you're trying to create content for a four-month-long season, right? And we're doing this, you know, year-round. But but welcome into Finsider Radio. I thought that was worth a good chuckle. Uh, you know, OTAs are underway. Uh, mandatory mini camps actually begin on June 15th. And, and that is the official end of, quote-unquote, phase three of the offseason. It's broken up into three phases due to uh, the bargaining agreement. And... The best part about these uh, optional camps isn't just that the Dolphins have most of their players there. I think at one point the count was up to 70 um, in terms of members of the roster. But we've been getting waves of quotes from, from different players. And it seems like, you know, you you tweet them all out at Houts on Twitter. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there because it's much deserved. But I mean, it seems like every time I rifle through these, you know, we joke about some of the questions that are a little more goofy. But I feel like, you know, each time I'm learning about learning something and it does it's nothing to do with what. Waddle muffing punts. It's kind of learning about how these guys grow and, and things like that. Last week, it was Flores talking about Bill O'Brien. And, and, you know, this week, I think Eric Rowe kind of put into perspective how this secondary, despite, you know, four returners out of, the let's say, the five, including the, the nickel cornerback, I mean, it. I think it could look a lot different despite all those returners. 
Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, it's going to look a lot different, you know, whether we like it or not. And you mentioned how it truly is just wonderful how we get to sit here and, you know, the Finsider now gets to sit on, on these press conferences, five reasons. You know, we get to hear these quotes, like you said, and we get to learn a little bit about these players and kind of the different systems that they're implementing. And the biggest thing I think, you know, we learned from Eric Rowe is that, uh, you know, he loves what Javon Holland's doing, but he also had some quotes reacting to what the team did with Bobby McCain. And here's what the quote said. Um, the Bobby's decision, that's just how the NFL goes, right? At the end of the year, teams are always switching out players, adding players, letting go of players. That's just the business side. So I really can't say much on that. I'm not upstairs making those roster moves. But then he went on to just rave about Javon Holland. You know, uh, he has nice size. He's athletic. And then I've talked to him. He's a smart guy. He's picking up the defense pretty fast. But he did go on. You know, he did take a step back and he did say if Javon Holland wins that job. So um, he did pump the brakes a little bit. But it, again, it was... Um, just nice to see what Eric Rowe, a seasoned veteran, a guy who, you know, understands his defense, his thoughts on bringing in a rookie to, you know, supplant a veteran like Bobby McCain, who, again, was a vocal leader on that defense. And it kind of nips uh, in the butt the idea of that um, the Dolphins are, are smiting their players by, you know, moving on from guys like Kyle Van Noy and Bobby McCain, two guys that when they were on the field, I mean, they were playing 90 plus percent of snaps, but, and, you know, a couple of, you know, fans, a, a little bit of uh, us, I guess I should say, had the idea of, are, is this a bad idea? Are we going to make players upset? Are players not going to come, want to come to Miami because, uh, you know, they might get cut right away. They feel disrespected, but I mean, that this kind of nips it in the butt. I mean, the, the two biggest things I learned from Eric Rowe this week while putting together this rundown is one, he understands it's a business and two, man, it feels like Eric Rowe has been 28 for five years now. Am I, am I alone like this? I feel like this dude's been old forever. And yet, you know, he, he joined the Dolphins as a 26-year-old. I can't wrap my head around that. I feel like he's always been on the older end. But, I mean, he, he's right in the middle of his NFL's prime. Yeah, he really is just hitting his prime. And I honestly thought what you were going to say your biggest takeaway was, um, I don't know if you saw the quote, but he now has like a blonde streak on the yep. side of his head. And, you know, he's kind of, he was kind of, yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely the biggest takeaway. But I mean, uh, <laughs> you're right. Us as fans, I think, you know, we sit there and we see those veterans that have the ties to Brian Flores. And I'm like, oh, damn, like he moved on from right now. And, you know, we also got to realize these guys made money. You know, Kyle Van Noy made $15 million for a season. Bobby McCain, you know, when he was, after he got that big contract there for a little contract. bit, you know, we felt like he was stealing money. So, um, you know, it is a business. And again, we just need to see how this all plays out because when you get rid of a Kyle Van Noy, when you get rid of a Bobby McCain, and then you rely on these young players, they have to step up. And, you know, we're kind of banking on those players stepping up and filling those voids as if, you know, it's a sure thing and it really isn't. And I was going to pick out some numbers uh, regarding Roe, but I didn't think that was necessarily too important. I think the SparkNote version of uh, his 2020 season is, I think he was a pretty good safety unless he was playing against the league's best tight ends. You know, you think of Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Roe actually talked about these in the press conference, but I mean, I don't know if I'm, you know, settling. I don't know if that's the right word, but if I have a safety who, who's pretty damn good outside of facing, you know, the top three, four tight ends in the league, I, I think I'm pretty okay with that. Is that, is that wrong? No, man. And, and you mentioned a quote. And I think, you know, we have to be excited because I remember that Philly game. And at that point, I remember Zach Ertz was, you know, one of those premier tight ends. And let's be honest, Eric Rowe erased him. You know, he matched up well with him. And if your only losses are going to be against a Travis Kelsey, a Darren Waller and a George Kittle, like you said, that's pretty damn good. But the quote here is, um, you know, they asked him what he learned from those matchups, you know, getting beat pretty badly against those two tight ends. He said, obviously, those are two of the best tight ends in the league, along with Kittle. Kind of what I learned is I got to step my game up with them. They're not really tight ends. They're big wide receivers that can run. I know we have Las Vegas week three. 
I'm ready for that. So, um, you know, again, it just seems different. You know, these players understand the mistakes they made last year, and they're working their ass off to get better. And, you know, it's awesome to see Eric Rowe circling his calendar, you know, the same way Chad Johnson did when he was going against DBs and things like that. You know, Eric Rowe is circling. I'm going against uh, Darren Waller on this day, and I'm going to show up uh, a lot better than I did last year. I think that Raiders game is a very under-the-radar um top tier game for the Dolphins you know you think about Eric Rowe he has it circled I mean Tua's gonna have it circled right after last time I mean the Fitz Magic the last thing he wants that game to remembered about is for a quarterback not named Tua right so so I think that game is going to be quite interesting I don't want to get too down that uh, rabbit hole though I mean we had our schedule release extravaganza a few weeks ago go ahead and check that out because I mean unrivaled schedule talk is what you'll find here on Finsider Radio Josh, you mentioned how uh, Eric Rowe kind of hinted that Javon Holland might be leading the race at safety, uh, but it's not locked in. He's going to start. I mean, to be completely honest with you, would it be the most mind-blowing thing in the world that if if Xavier Howard and Byron Jones aren't Miami's top two cornerbacks this year? I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying it's it's. It's very unlikely, but but would it shock you in the slightest if Brian Flores decided to go in a different direction just based on his track record as a head coach at this point? Yeah, I mean, when you break it down like that, I guess, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, the Deshaun Watson trades and just every little move that Brian Flores and the Dolphins make, you know, expect the unexpected. But if if you told me Noah Igbenogany would, you know, maybe have a better year who than knows? Byron Jones, that that to me, I, I would say might be a little bit crazy. But again, who knows? Yeah, They're putting in the work and Byron Jones, you know, he he struggled last year. So to think, in my opinion, I think he might be even better this year. So I think it'd be a little crazy, but again, it's Brian Flores. So he'll go out there with Igbenogany and, you know, Javon Holland as his starting corners on day on week one, and no one will know what the hell's going on. And I don't think anyone questioned that. I mean, when you think about it, Josh, I don't think anybody expects Xavier Howard to have 10 interceptions next year. And you can listen to any fin- episode of Finsider Radio where I- I'm one of the hosts. I have never been a fan of trading Xavier Howard. I think that's a silly thing. I think that's kind of trying to do too much. It's like, uh, it- it's again, the offseason. You're going to spend all this time. What trades can the Dolphins do that are smart? Obviously, his trade value is higher than it will ever be. But I just kind of mean maybe a Noah Igbenogany steps up and becomes that guy. Maybe Jason McCourty becomes more consistent. I'm not saying that's likely, but I'm just saying uh, players get better and worse every year. Uh, breaking news, I know that that's completely mind blowing. And who knows? Maybe Noah Ibanagni will take that next step. Maybe Nick Needham uh, is is pushing to not only be a corner or a slot corner, but to really develop. But to go back to safety, because I think that's where the big question begins. Uh, Eric Rowe was asked about playing with Jason McCourtney, who they both played in, together in New England. And there are some whispers that McCourney could be used at both safety and, and cornerback, which it's kind of like Eric Rowe when he made that tra- transition. Uh, McCourney is a little older. And, and Josh, I want to ask you, because you think about someone like Noah Igbenogny, he's 21 years old. Holland is going to be a rookie. Brandon Jones is a second-year guy. And then you have guys like Byron Jones and Xavier Howard who are top-tier cornerbacks. Again, I'm not saying these guys aren't going to be studs. I firmly think they are, but nothing can is for certain in the NFL. Where does McCourty fit in this? Because the Dolphins have their young guys that they're hoping to see grow, and they have that, you know, quote-unquote leadership in guys like Eric Rowe, uh, you know, Byron Jones. Byron Jones has been one of the Miami's best leaders since he showed up. Very well-spoken. Uh, he has no problem being that guy in the middle of the cornerback uh, room to help out everyone, right? That's definitely the vibe I've gotten from him. So where does McCourty fit on this depth chart? Because you also think Justin Coleman, another veteran they brought in, there's a lot of competition going on in this group, despite being, you know, one of the better secondaries in the league last year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to sit here and think of how McCordy will fit into things. And you mentioned Justin Coleman. I'm so glad you did because I actually wrote down his name here because I, I didn't want to miss the chance to bring him up because he has familiarity with I this like system. Him. You know, he, yes, he ha- plays very well at nickel, you know, and again, he's a veteran who has had success in this league. So, you know, we're sitting here and we're chalking Nick Needham up maybe at nickel and, you know, they're going to use Holland a little bit there perhaps. Who's to say Justin Coleman's not going to come in and just take that job? So I can't sit here. It's so hard to sit here and just figure out a Dolphins, you know, a Brian Flores defense and try to figure out where these pieces are going to match up to try to figure out this damn secondary when he's going to go out there and probably pick up three or four more cornerbacks before the end of the month. I mean, it's so hard to sit here and try to figure it out. But I think they saw a guy like Jason McCourty who has experience again with Brian Flores and is, again, a veteran leader that, you know, you've got rid of some of those guys. You got rid of a Bobby McCain. You're bringing in McCourty. You know, he still has some of that veteran leadership that you might be missing there with McCain so I don't know if he's going to come in here and start or if he'll even play safety but I think Brian Flores feels pretty damn good about the unit the group he has and again a lot of those guys are versatile pieces who have experience in the system Um, teams completed 63 percent of passes against the Miami Dolphins defense last year that's the league's eighth best mark Uh, you know obviously that includes linebackers covering um, you know running backs and things of that nature but but I thought that was a good uh, point to start here when talking about the Dolphins secondary and they allowed 1.3 passing touchdowns a game that's the league's second best mark Um, and they sacked the quarterback on seven percent of all dropbacks the eighth best mark in the NFL Um, I think what the Dolphins did really well last year is create those pressure sacks, right? I, I'm not trying to take anything away from guys like Emmanuel Agba, who absolutely balled out last season. But, I mean, this secondary really gave um, the uh, the front seven an opportunity to get to the quarterback and make let the quarterback make some bad decisions out there. Uh, but, Josh, there is obviously a little bit of room for improvement, especially when you look at that Bills game and how everything kind of uh, fell apart. The one interesting note I have about the secondary here, when you look at the oldest guys being Byron Jones and Eric Rowe at 28, before you bring in McCourty, who's 23, there's a really unique gap in terms of the Miami Dolphins secondary. Um, You have someone like uh, Xavier Howard, who's 27, and then the next closest guy to Xavier Howard, if we're talking about younger players, is Brandon Jones at 23. There's nobody from 26 to 28 uh, in this Dolphins secondary. And and I think... where do you see everyone kind of fitting in? Uh, do you see there any si- any bit of concern that there's a little bit of a gap between the older guys who know what they're doing and these rookies who are tr- still trying to figure it out? The issue Noah Igbenogany had last year, I mean, he was behind two absolute studs at, at cornerback, and he wasn't going to get any chance to go on the field unless one of them got hurt. Obviously, he saw that playing time develop. He got some plays at the nickel cornerback. But, I mean... For us to sit here and justify Igbenogany as a first-round pick, and, you know, some people, strangely enough, have already called him a bust, but for a first-round pick trajectory, I mean, first year to second year, you see that massive jump. Does he make a push for a boundary spot? Is he making a push with Coleman, uh, with, with someone like Nick Needham, for that, you know, slot cornerback's job? Yeah, and I think that's what Brian Flores and Gerald Alexander even touched on was that he was working more inside. You know, now they learned the perimeter, he's starting to learn some of that stuff on inside at nickel, you know, run support and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I hope to see Noah Igbenogany kind of take that next step and try to forge his role as that nickel corner because that would be awesome to see and then even have that versatility to play on the perimeter. Um, but, Jake, to your, to your point, you know, t- do I believe there's a huge drop-off between, you know, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, those younger guys, absolutely. And we saw, you know, front and center in that Buffalo game early on. We saw, you know, Stefan Diggs. We continue to talk about that crosser. You know, we see how the defense looks when those guys are out of lineup. And it's just not a good feeling. And it makes you wonder why fans would even want to 
uh, you know, entertain an idea to trade Xavier Howard when you think about right. it. You know, then you're throwing no Igbenagi in there. Then you don't have anyone else. You don't you don't have a security blanket. So um, I definitely think there's concern there, but I also think it goes back to what the coaches said. And, you know, last year, uh, even Byron Jones, you know, took some time to get this system down. He's in there taking notes. He's trying to get better. I think those younger guys are seeing that. And I think, you know, maybe it's a good thing that you got those two elite corners. And I say elite because – you know, up until last sure. year, Byron Jones' name was up there. Maybe he was still uh, decent. Obviously, yeah, he lacked the consistency. But he he was. Was, when he was good, he was good. He was. And Xavier Howard, again, I don't think would have had 10 interceptions if it wasn't for him. But, you know, I'm maybe it's just – I'm getting giddy thinking about it because I think we just, you know – tapped into something here. You know, the Dolphins have two of the best corners in the NFL, and to think that they can sit here and take some of these younger guys under their wing and get the best out of them, I mean, that that's pretty cool to see. So I don't know what's going to ultimately happen here, but uh, I think, you know, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and then if you can get Noah Igbenogany in there, that to me is one hell of a starting three, and then, you know, you just figure out the rest of that. And uh, again, I'm not, to, I'm not too sure that the Dolphins don't think they can plug and play at all these different positions because we've seen it in the past. Uh, Bobby McCain, the one guy who isn't returning in the secondary, he played 98% or more of snaps in nine games for the Miami Dolphins defense last year. Um, over 50% in every game he played, 100% of snaps in six straight games. I mean, the dude was was the definition of a workhorse for the Miami Dolphins. And then you have someone like Brandon Jones. Uh, I've been one to kind of talk highly of him this year uh, about his growth. I thought he had a pretty solid rookie season, but but I saw an interesting trend where um, he started or he played in 50% of snaps in, in five or more games, but, but he really dropped off near the end of the season, 25% week 16 uh, and 20% in week 17. There were just other safeties getting more snaps than him. Uh, but when you look at this group, Josh, I remember thinking pre-draft, what would be a crazy pick for the Miami Dolphins to take early? Because, you know, the projections we we create, they're not always going to be 100%. Things are going to happen we don't expect. And I thought safety would be one of those picks. So I guess this whole kind of exercise here has been me working up to the question. You know, you spend a third-round pick on Brandon Jones, who, again, was decent, but we saw him kind of um, lose his role a little bit near the end of the year. I don't know if that's just kind of... Uh, based on the different personnel on the opposing sideline or what. But you have him as a third-round pick. You have Igbenogany as a first-round pick. And you have Holland here as an early second-round pick. I mean, there's with that much capital spent in the secondary, this team has to you know really push the guys. Again, like I said, I don't think Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are going to you know lose their starting jobs. I, I'd love to see them start 16 games. But in order for these high, you know, top-tier picks to really justify their value, I mean, these guys have to be on the field. And, and I don't know if I necessarily see a defense where all these guys are really being impact players with with Eric Rowe and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones being at a different level than than this group of younger guys. Yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, you can sure code it all you want, but let's go to what your timeline set or uh, what the little rundown says. And you said straight up, you and Topher were talking about this before the draft. He mentioned safety. You mentioned tight end. So, you know, hat tip to both of you because those were two positions that the Dolphin fan base and, you know, many outsiders thought were pretty much set. But Jake, I right. think it goes back to the NFL just and as cliche as it sounds, it's just moving to that pass first league. You know, you sit here and you got Byron Jones with a big contract. You got Xavier Howard with a big contract. At some point, you're going to have to get rid of one of those guys and you're going to have to try to pay some of your own. So, uh, I don't know that we're going to have the luxury of having these two elite corners like we do right now. 
But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see the way it all shapes up because, again, if no Igbenogany can even become half the corner that the Dolphins thought they, he was when they drafted him, you know, uh, they'll be in pretty damn good shape. And it won't be so bad to lose guys like a McCain or one of those other guys. And and to wrap up this conversation here about the secondary, I wrote a story on this for the Finsider, and it, it actually got some pretty good numbers. So if you'd like to uh, get some reading, whether you have a, a couple free minutes or otherwise, go check that out. And I'm not trying to say this is like a bad thing in any ways. I, I'm just thinking a year or two down the road, we have to kind of decide where these good draft picks are not. I mean, the Dolphins secondary is going to have to look a lot different for us to really be happy with all these picks and think the Dolphins really made the right decisions moving forward. Uh, again, I'm not doubting it, but I just going to think it's going to be a really interesting transition. Obviously, teams change and evolve every year. And the Miami Dolphins secondary, despite bringing back, you know, four of the five quote-unquote starters, is going to be no different than that. Uh, let's jump into a quick break here. And on the other side, we're going to talk about the biggest, biggest uh, question of the week I really have. Are we Miles Gaskin guys now? Is this a Miles Gaskin podcast? We'll jump into that right after this break, so stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, I said it in the last show, and you decided to build on it with a thread. I had to throw some shade on Twitter for you at that. Again, uh, Josh Houts, follow him on Twitter, at H-O-U-T-Z for Houts. Um, I brought up the take uh, in the Tua show that we had last week. I thought that outside of Aaron Jones, Miles Gaskin might be the best running back option the Dolphins have this offseason for a quarterback like Tua. Um, I kind of lead on the statistic that he averaged 10 yards a reception. He was That was the highest mark in the NFL. He was really consistent for the Dolphins. Uh, we've been very vocal that I think we kind of see Gaskin ceiling uh, as a running back, whether it's on the ground or receiving. Uh, but when I really thought of it, I mean, Gaskin really seems like a good choice at running back. And it could just be me kind of talking myself into it now that he's the option. Uh, and you posted a thread a few days ago of every Miles Gaskin play uh, last season, Josh. So can you kind of walk me through a few things that uh, stood out a little bit for you? Yeah, the biggest thing to me, and I don't think it's talked about enough, is the fact that Miles Gaskin only played in four of nine of Tua Tungvaloa's starts last season. So to think that the running back one heading into this year only played with our starting quarterback four times last year. I mean, I, I, I think the Dolphins went, you know, four and two in those six games. So I don't know that it really had that big of an impact on the, the Dolphins from a win-loss standpoint. But to think, you know, they're getting this player in there, a guy that, you know, we missed six games last year. They're getting him, who, in my opinion, is is a lot better than what Dolphin fans are making him out to be. You know, you mentioned that we might be sitting here talking ourselves into Miles Gaskin, but I don't know that we are. I mean, he looks decisive, he's explosive, and he's a pass catcher. I mean, I don't think he was utilized enough as a pass catcher. So you mentioned I threw some of those random plays out on Twitter. I do have a video that's almost over 30 minutes long, every touch from last season of Miles Gaskin. I think it's over 150 plays, so I will have that up on YouTube. I will have that up on the site. So, um, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, last year you and I were sitting here, Salvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin, you know, we were talking back and forth about which one of those guys we like. I think, you know, by default now, we are Miles Gaskin guys. And I made a joke, you know, 
all this time sitting here watching Miles Gaskin now, my biggest takeaway is I should not have faded the, the Miami Dolphins running back unit or Miles Gaskin because I do think that he is going to impress a lot of people, and I think he's going to show that the Dolphins didn't need a Javante Williams, didn't need a J.K. Dobbins because I do think when the dust settles, he is that good of a player, and I think Dolphin fans are going to be excited for what he is. I think Miami's issue when it comes to running backs, uh, at least under Chris Greer and Brian Flores, isn't necessarily they don't have talent. It's they don't have depth. I mean, when you look back to 2019, it started as the uh, uh, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs show, right? The Dolphins then traded Kenyon Drake. Uh, they prayed that Kalen Balazs would work. They tried over and over again. There was the Mark Walton experience. I don't want to get into that. And long story short, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended the year as the team's leading rusher. And you see that trend go this year where... Uh, you know, excuse me, it starts with last year. They bring in guys like Matt Breida and uh, Jordan Howard, two guys who really didn't play too, too much last year, despite uh, getting relatively decent contracts. Breida only played over 20% of snaps in three weeks last year, uh, zero snaps in six different weeks. Obviously, the pandemic had a little bit to do with that. And Jordan Howard, I mean, he didn't even make it a, what? Well, he made it not even halfway through the season with the team. So, I'm, I'm excited for what Miles Gaskin can bring to the table, and, and I think we need to really get on that bandwagon of, I think, uh, when Gaskin's on the field, I think that he's only going to be a have a positive impact on the Dolphins' uh, offense, I guess in general is a good way to put it. But it, it's what happens after that. We saw Selvan Ahmed have a couple strong games last year, uh, and they signed Malcolm Brown, and they drafted Jared Dokes late. They still have Patrick Laird floating around. He actually played in over... Uh, he played 52 stats for the Dolphins one week, and that, that's I don't know if that's something you really want. Malcolm Perry's still floating around. He's a wide receiver running back, but I think if he's going to make the roster, it's a better shot as a running back. And then there's uh, Jordan Scarlett also floating around. Carl Tucker, a dra undrafted uh, rookie fullback from Alabama. Instead of me just throwing out a lot of uh, names here, Josh, I'm just going to kind of get to the point. I mean, the Dolphins need guys who can come up and be serviceable uh, because it's football, right? It's physical. Everybody, you know, you want everyone to play 16 games, but that's not necessarily how it works. I mean, DeAndre Washington played nearly 50% of snaps in two different weeks for the Dolphins. He was not playing for the Chiefs, right? You know, we, we talked about how he could be a receiving guy, but at the end of the day, he is not what you want for a rookie, any quarterback at that uh, in, in that backfield. So do you have any concerns about the Dolphins' depth when it's, you know, uh, Gaskin, Ahmed, uh, Brown, and maybe one more of those guys you might keep four running backs obviously practice squad guys keep people can move up and down but I mean I would have liked them to draft a running back maybe a little earlier maybe not you know second round third round but a, a fourth round guy maybe a two guys in the fifth and sixth round because the depth here uh is something I really started to think about it, talking about Miles Gaskin and and what he brings to the offense last week yeah and I mean I'm gonna be completely honest I sat here and said how much I like Miles Gaskin and I I I hope the Dolphins next year, you know, use a second round pick. Use one, a high, you know, if they have two first, use a, another high draft. They need to get another running back in here, Jake. Because to your point, if they brought in a Javante Williams, if they brought in one of those running backs this year, you wouldn't have that uneasy feeling that if Miles Gaskin goes down, you know, who's the next guy up? I do think, you know, we got to kind of maybe respect what Malcolm Brown brings to the table a little bit more. I think mm -hmm. he's going to be that thump, that thunder to the lightning. I think he, you know, uh, no, we can't. No, 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 no. We got to retire thunder and lightning after uh, the Jordan uh, Howard and Matt Breida experience. We got to, we got to bury. That saying six feet under, we can't do that anymore. What are we gonna call him? The hammer to the the hammer to the nail. I I I don't, I don't know. Let, let's call him the hopefully good running back. Let, let's okay, start the, there. The hopefully we'll good get... running back. Twenty eight years old. He, I think he had as many touchdowns last year as Jordan Howard, which uh, maybe that mm -hmm. says more about Jordan Howard. But I, I do think you know when you got Miles Gaskin, Ahmed, 
uh, Brown, and then I think Dokes will probably make the team based on just you know what you're. I, I don't know if you saw any of his YouTube stuff, but just the guy seems like a, a genuine person who's going to go out there and work his ass off and do everything he can. I mean, we talked about when he was drafted by the Dolphins. He said, or before he was signed by the Dolphins, he said, you know, if you don't want your quarterback to get touched, sign yeah. me. So I think Jared Dokes is going to be that mean guy in the passing game, and I think he will eventually, you know take over that role that maybe Malcolm Brown forges this year. But to your point, I'm absolutely uh, petrified at this unit. And I think, you know, we're sitting here talking about how much we trust Miles Gaskin. You know, we're going to post this thing. I'll probably get it out late tonight. And freaking Todd Gurley or uh, Le'Veon Bell will sign overnight, and we'll be right back to square one. Well, we'll just be uh, the, the people who predict everything. And, and it's important to keep in mind the Dolphins had, a for some reason, a fullback on the roster uh, uh, for most of the season last year, despite Cox. being most of a – yeah, Chandler Cox, despite being a shotgun team for most of the year. So you wonder, is is Carl Tucker, the, the fullback from Alabama, is he going to take up one of those four spots? And all of a sudden, you know, you have maybe Ahmed and Brown and Dokes fighting for two spots? I mean – I, I don't know. This is kind of going to be an interesting topic to see the running back room develop. I mean, everybody absolutely loved Malcolm Perry, right? He was going to be the next Swiss Army Knife for the Miami Dolphins offense. Uh, he played 40% of snaps in week 14, but then he dropped to 10 snaps um, in week 16 and 10 snaps in week 17. He was another guy who kind of was phased out of the offense. It's, it's going to be an uphill battle for him. I think he can be a practice squad guy, but I mean, I just would like a little more... Uh, consistency in the group but i mean i guess the best way to prove me wrong is is the saying of you can find running backs everywhere anywhere so if gaskin goes down for a game or two dokes you know in theory should be able to step right in and be the guy because it's that simple to find a running back according to some yeah according to some there are diamond dozen but another thing that stood out to me was you mentioned the fullback and i believe of two i think gaskin made at four i don't remember how many touchdowns he had in total but i remember two of the touchdowns that he had to goal line uh, Christian Wilkins was in at fullback. He was yep. his lead blocker. So that was Good another point. interesting thing. And, you know, I, I don't know that you would keep a Carl Tucker on the roster and occupy a, a roster space, just like you might not have Chandler Cox when you can just throw a Christian Wilkins big ass in there. And, and he's more than happy to take that role. Yeah. And I, I think that is a, a very good point. But again, it is a little concerning due to the fact they kept Cox, even though Wilkins uh, using a first round pick on a fullback is a little questionable, but it seemed to work out for the Miami Dolphins taking Christian Wilkins there. Um, I think Larry, believe- Larry Zonk, I don't know what round he was in, but he was basically a fullback. Good point. I, is Christian Wilkins next layer? No, I'm not even going to say that because that's going to get people he mad. Is. Just Write the article. Write the article. <laughs> get the clicks. Let's do it. Oh, man, that would certainly be something else. But, Josh, uh, before we wrap up here, I, I do want to say, I mean, our Tua show, man, that that kind of blew up a little bit for us, uh, our most downloaded show. So I just want to kind of say thank you for everyone who's listening. I mean, it's the – Beginning of June, and we're here talking about Dolphins football. We understand it can be silly sometimes, but uh, that's kind of what makes it fun, right? That we can enjoy the offseason and not be panicking about our favorite team losing every other week. If you would like to continue this ride with us, hit that subscribe button. That helps us out so much. Uh, whether you're on iTunes, whether you're on Spotify, you can find us just about anywhere. Um, and then, you know, if you want to give us a little confidence boost, if you're really enjoying the show, take a couple seconds to uh, leave a review. That stuff helps us out. And, you know, people who are looking at different shows, read that stuff too. Uh, so you're just helping others really discover the show. I mentioned it a couple times, but be sure to follow Josh on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z. Uh, I could be found at Mendel. 94 on Twitter and and Josh do you have any other you know final words here before we wrap up I have one final question but if I don't want to be the one to bring it up I think you should be the one but being a, a professional journalist I will ask the tough questions if you make me yeah yeah you may as well just ask me the question because we know what what's on everyone's mind I just said it our Tua show was, was our most uh, listened to show 
And at about the 20 minute mark, Josh might have passed gas. Yeah, just like that. So so that that's kind of kind of fits our mold a little bit where where something a little goofy like that happens. Obviously, we were talking about the receiving core. Josh made that noise, uh, just kind of reacting to the receiving core, giving some sort of analysis about the 2020 Miami Dolphins. And I thought it was pretty good analysis, uh, but it was also pretty real sounding to say the least. And a lot of uh, listeners kind of reached out to us wondering, did, did Josh do what we think he did in the middle of the pod? So that gave us a good chuckle. And I, and I hope you guys enjoyed that too. Uh, those stuff like that. I'm again, it's the off season. We're going to have fun with this stuff and we hope you are too. Uh, Josh, do you, do you have anything really to say for yourself? Yeah, man, I, I cannot believe how many people like I know CERN mentioned it in our group chat. And then I've had people literally reach out like they were concerned for my for my well-being and, you know, my career moving forward. But guys, that was definitely that was definitely a mouth fart. And it came at the perfect time with the receiving court. But if you want to say I farted, I mean, hell, say I sharted. I don't care. I mean, uh, I'm still, I'll still be here one way or the other. That is all we have for today on Finsider Radio to give you guys a little bit of a teaser. Mandatory mini camps are June 15th through 17th. I mentioned it today we recorded on June 4th. If you don't think we can squeeze everything we can out of this offseason, prepare for next week where we give you 20 headlines to follow for the Manny Camp weekend. That is three days long. We're going to do it, Josh. We're going to squeeze all the content out of this thing as we can. We are, and guys, uh, that, that is a threat. That is 100% a threat. <laughs> but like Jake said, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I am Josh Houts. That is the greatest co-host in the world, Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.